0: Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about cereal sandwiches. I'm Alexa Ray Hack. I'm a comedian and storyteller, and I use she, her pronouns. My
1: name is Micah Silver, and I'm a child care provider, and I use they, them pronouns.
0: Today we are talking about the seminal teen drama, The Breakfast Club, maybe the most famous teen movie of all time.
1: I love this movie.
0: I genuinely enjoyed it. I have never seen this. Had never seen this movie before.
1: I love it. It's stupid, and it's like
0: it's definitely a product of the eighties. Oh
1: yeah, it is. But it's like such a good slice of life for teenagers. Yeah, and like I don't. I think
0: unless you're me and you lived under a rock for you know decades, you probably have seen this movie. But if you have not, I definitely recommend it. It's it's not one of those, like, you know how sometimes you'll go back to, like, a classic movie? I don't need to watch this because I've seen the hundred parodies of it. Right. And I know it from every angle. Right. Already. This is not one of those. No. I don't know that I've seen another movie that does... The stuff that Breakfast Club does. No,
1: it's definitely alluded to. And there's definitely like references to it in pop culture. For and sure. It's definitely there. Especially
0: but- the last shot. I mean, yeah. the freeze frame at the end, like that's iconic.
1: Right. It's still pretty unique as a storytelling. And yeah. I appreciate it. If you have been living under a rock with Alexa and have not seen this movie, (laughs) as the other John Hughes movies, it's kind of plot light. Six teenagers are stuck in school on Saturday detention, which should be illegal, by the way, Yeah, and get into hijinks. Learn a little bit more about each other and the world around them. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Follow us on Twitter at Anthro267. We're going to be doing a little bit of reformatting slash reprogramming uh so look for more information on twitter it'll be fun it'll be great and it'll still be your classic anthropology of girlhood deconstructing everything we can we have things have
0: just been a little bit rocky in our personal lives and also in the world so we're maybe not as able to reliably give the same analysis every week so we're just gonna change things up a bit some weeks some off weeks there might not be things but the movies are still gonna keep coming out on the regular schedule but lizzie mcguire is gonna get put on the back burner for a little while
1: we're gonna have some fun this summer yeah please leave a review on apple podcasts or and share with your friends it's absolutely wonderful and super helpful and as always thank you and enjoy
0: I think I know the answer to this question, but
1: did you ever have detention in school? Me personally or the concept in my schools?
0: You personally. Were you ever in detention?
1: God, no. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) No. (laughs) What a bunch of fucking nerd rule followers. No, I never got detention. Uh, But as a concept, I think it's stupid as fuck.
0: Right? It does seem really silly. Especially this kind of, like, all-day Saturday
1: detention. Nine hours of detention. Nine
0: hours. That just feels like torture.
1: And, like, at least from what I understood of detention at my school, it was a study hall. So you could do your homework. Right. You could use the time. Where these kids aren't allowed to do anything. Yeah. Like,
0: what... How is this supposed to be helpful to anyone?
1: No. Like... This is the time where you start, you know, maybe having a mandatory counseling session where you figure out what's going on. Exactly. Or you have the extra study time. or like, like, that's... Say, like, kid gets detention for falling asleep in class. What do they have to do in detention? Learn the material they missed while sleeping in class. Right.
0: Yeah. And talk to a counselor about why they're so tired that they sleep need to sleep in class. Because, probably... like,
1: that's what most of these kids
0: need, like... When we get to the end of this movie, like it's clear that all these kids are just in crisis and they need a therapist and they need someone to actually connect with them and not just like scream at them.
1: Yeah, I have feelings about this teacher. I mean, it feels like this whole movie is just
0: a PSA about how children need therapists and punishment doesn't work.
1: Right? Right? I feel like this whole movie is just like, it's such an anti-detention movie. Yeah. And it's just like, see, this shit doesn't work. They're going to get into trouble. They're going to get into shit. They're not going to actually do the thing you want them to do. And that's like, especially when they're unsupervised. Who, as a teacher of high school students, you're going to leave them unsupervised for nine hours? I just think it's like a funny,
0: it's a funny admission that he's like... Well, obviously, I'm not going to sit in one room and do nothing for nine hours because I, an adult man who this who is getting paid to do this, couldn't even do that. No. So I'm going to go do other stuff. But you small children whose fucking like, you know, self-control brain isn't all the way developed. You can totally sit in this room for nine hours doing nothing. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: Saturday de- Saturday detention is criminal.
0: Yeah, it's really crazy, and we've seen it in a few different movies. We now.
1: have one. What kind of fucking teacher wants to throw away their Saturday? Right. Like, cause yeah, cause yeah, this teacher goes on at one point and like gives Bender nine detention weekends yeah. in a row or whatever. And I'm like, and he's like, it's eight. S- it's two whole months. It's two whole months, right? And I'm like. You just threw away two whole months of your Saturdays.
0: I mean, I sort of got the impression that he's here every Saturday.
1: Why? I truly think that this character
0: is a trope that we've talked about a lot on this show before, which is just like a man who has no sense of control and took a job as a teacher in order to have some weaker people around that they could easily control and manipulate
1: yeah I think the janitor does a really nice job of calling him out of totally of that whole like spiel of like you took this job because you thought it was going to be easy and it turned out to be work and now you're mad
0: and you're mad that it's actual work and like if you couldn't handle work like we say this all the time if you can't handle working with kids and kids being kids then you can't be a teacher
1: if you don't like kids Don't be a teacher. Like, it's fine that you don't like kids. They're annoying. Teach adults. Don't teach. Do something else. Right. Fuck, man. The world is crazy. You can find weird ass jobs out there. Yeah. And it sucks
0: that teaching is like the only job in the U.S. where you can actually reliably take any vacation at all. Right. Because that's what he says. He's like, oh, you just wanted to have summers off. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, you kind of get summers off, but not really. He's
1: not on these salaries. <laughs> and
0: yeah, also not on what they're making.
1: No, summers when you go teach at a camp or you pick up shit. But by- did you hear? There's a line where he says, I
0: make $31,000 a year, right? Is that yeah. what it was? He was like, I make $31,000 a year. And I was like, Oh, cool! This guy makes the same in 1986 as like I'm making now, now
1: right? Hold on. Forty
0: years later, cool, 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 cool. I'm sh- yeah, wages are doing great.
1: This movie was made in 1985.
0: Yeah, yeah. What is that in today's money? If it had actually gone, wages had actually gone eighty-four thousand dollars a year. Yeah,
1: which. Fuck.
0: Which is like I feel like I could teach high school for right. eighty five grand a yeah, year. Yeah.
1: I could teach for that. Yeah. Since we're on this teacher. Yeah,
0: we should just do all of our um talking about um Mr. Vernon. Vernon is his name.
1: If you are a grown ass adult and you feel like you need to threaten physical violence
0: oh my God. to
1: a child. There is something wrong with you.
0: Right. First of all, like a number one with a bullet, you're bad at your job.
1: You are so bad at your job. There
0: are so many more and better ways to help and control and reach out to a child than to threaten physical violence.
1: And I've said this before and I'll say it a thousand times. You need to check your ego. When you become a teacher. Yeah. Because it is never about you. And you cannot take shit personally. And all Mr. Vernon does is take bad behavior personally. Like, he cannot control these kids well enough. Right. Which is probably the thing that's triggering him. And it's so... Also, the fact that you're response to needing control is violence yeah you should you should do some work on that
0: yeah you have some shit to unpack in your brain because that's fucked up
1: yeah also you cannot lock a child in a closet no that's yeah that's straight up abuse right my note was just like this is abuse you
0: oh yeah and then um there's a line when Yeah, when he's threatening him, he's like, you think anyone will believe you? I've been doing this for 20 years. You're just some scumbag kid or something like that.
1: I forgot about that. Which is
0: like, wow. If anyone ever says to you, do you think anyone will believe you? Immediately slap them in their
1: fucking mouth and And leave the
0: situation.
1: Yeah, because that is Abuser 101.
0: That's Abuser 101. It's like... I am more, more powerful and more respected than you. And so it's going to be your word against mine. And it's yeah, it's fucked up.
1: It's really fucked up.
0: But yeah, he obviously just like delights in making these kids miserable, which again, like it's why are you
1: teaching? It's
0: weird how much we say this, but just get into kink. Right,
1: <laughs> there are ways to play out your power fantasies in a safe, consensual way. You don't need to bring children into it, right? I know teenagers are annoying. I know that you think they're old enough to be adults because they talk like little adults, and this is when you start treating them like actual human beings and not but they're just they're not adults, they're not adults, they are still Even children. Even the
0: 18 year olds are not adults.
1: If you are 21 and under, you are a child, yeah hell 23 and under yeah you are a large child you are a smart independent autonomous child Mm. but you have so much more to learn and i hate that i'm saying this because i hated hearing this when i was younger but like you'll understand yourself so much better given more time yeah and i
0: think especially in i only have one experience to go off of so i don't know that this is the case but I think definitely children are not given enough time to sit and think about themselves and who they are, especially in our school system the way it is. No, they
1: absolutely do not.
0: And also, like, you just don't understand when you are, like, a school-age kid how few years you truly have lived on the earth. Yeah. You know? Especially given that most people don't really remember m- much of anything before, like, five or six. Right. Right. Or seven, so like when you're a senior in high school, you've literally, you have like a decade of memories. That's nothing. We could do a whole separate episode, and maybe we will, about the complicated transition from childhood to adulthood and how rolling all those things into one number is reductive and unhelpful. I think the two of us could probably do a full 30 minutes on... Yeah. Age of consent versus like age of like political awareness versus age of like substance use, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like versus I mean, in this country, age of m- military um enrollment, like I don't feel ne- like you should be able to enroll never. in the military until you're twenty five.
1: No. No, no, no. They brainwash you. They brainwash you. you and your easily. brain's not
0: all the way baked no. when, until you're 25. So it's just, it's fucking evil because, yeah, they destroy your brain when it's still soft and malleable. It takes this movie 30 seconds to use the word fag.
1: That's one of my first notes too.
0: It's like the opening shot is like on the locker is like. Yeah,
1: just a big fat fag.
0: Open this locker and you'll die, comma, fag. It's like it literally wouldn't even, doesn't even need to be there. And then, and then it gets thrown around not an insignificant amount. No. In this movie. I was going to
1: say, and in like the next two minutes after that, I think it's said again. Like one of their parents says it to them. Yeah. Or something.
0: Yeah, it's really gross. It's
1: super gross. How
0: acceptable it used to be to be this homophobic.
1: It's terrifying. Remember, watching these movies and remembering how easily we were harassed and threatened and Mm -hmm. you know how awful it was to be gay in the 80s yeah versus now is one heartbreaking that any of our siblings ever had to go through that yeah especially on top of like that environment on top of aids is right like uh, that whole generation i have the biggest uh, biggest empathy for but It reminds me of how hard we fight and how much we've done in such a little time. And Mm -hmm. I get lost in it sometimes because it still feels like we're taking big steps forward and like groundbreaking things are still happening towards acceptance. Mm -hmm. And like the fact that some of it is still considered radical or whatever. Yeah. Is. I mean, it gives me kind of it gives me somewhat of a hope because it is it is comforting to
0: know that for the most part, these things are like only still an issue legally anyway. You know, Christian theocracies like this country. Right. Right. Or other theocracies. Granted, like you can't be gay in Saudi Arabia or Iran either.
1: Isn't it terrifying and sad how wrapped up our identity is in politics? Yeah. Yeah. My existence should not be a political move.
0: Yeah. Everybody else gets to just like be a person and go to work and buy groceries and make a family. And like we have to do all of those things while also like wearing our protest face. And it's just exhausting.
1: It's so exhausting. And it's not fair.
0: I really love the... I didn't think I appreciated it as much in the first couple movies that we watched But I really like John Hughes kind of like first person slice of life, like realism kind of writing style. Like I really like this movie and I like 16 Candles kind of the same way in that it's not really a movie about anything other than teens just struggling to be. People moving through the world and trying to live in a society that's not really built for them.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Which I think is like kind of the essential struggle of being a teenager, right? It's yeah. like even in a s- incredibly progressive society, like the nature of time means that the world is never going to be built for you because right. it wasn't built by you. Yeah. It was built by people before you. And yeah, this movie gives us a lot of time. To just, like, sit with these characters and their feelings and just, like, let them feel things and let them express their emotions, you know? And, like, I don't feel like we get that that much in teen movies. No, we really don't. Although kind of the, like, the big budget drama doesn't really exist anymore. Because in order for someone to spend a significant amount of money on something, they have to be they have to make sure it's going to make, you know, five hundred million dollars in China. Right. This is not I was not like a racist shot at China. That's just like. That's a shot at the way that corporations only make sure thing movies that they know will yeah make yeah yeah we're not gonna a do a squillion dollars rather than just like
1: we're not gonna do some like low key indie esque film like
0: art project no because somebody's gonna have to make that for a million dollars direct to a streaming platform right
1: and- but yeah i i kind of i do like this slice of life and i think this movie in particular gives us a chance to, like, really see the emotional side of teenagers Mm. and, like, the journey that they're going through. Right. Where with Sixteen Candles, I think it was very much, like, a very solid slice of life from this one. particular particular moment. moment, Right, and, like, her perspective. And I do appreciate that we have more perspectives. Mm Mm-hmm. In this one, than we have really in any of his other movies. Maybe
0: any other movie that we've watched on the show. Yeah. Because, like, we basically have six main characters. Yeah. And we get all their perspectives and all of their
1: struggles yeah. to varying extents. I low key would love to see a remake of this.
0: Yeah. I mean, this movie's, like, amazing. And I don't know.
1: I don't know what I would change. How would...
0: much of it you could change except that this cast is entirely white. Yep. And this cast is entirely straight. Yeah. Those are the those are my like number 1 and 2 things if you were to remake this movie. Yeah, I mean basically you swap out two of the characters and then you, you know, actually talk to Bender about how he probably has like ADHD or something. Right. And like that's my rewrite. We're done other than that it's a shot for shot remake right i mean there's so <laughs> like many with less implied violence and no sexual assault threats oh so, my
1: god please
0: yeah there's a lot of the sure is the 80s sure. We sure didn't care about women's bodily autonomy no nope. oh, wait we're bringing that back <laughs> sorry <laughs> it just it was gonna it was gonna spill over at some point Laughing so I don't cry. The United States in 2022. Yeah, but like, Bender in particular just like high-key sexually harasses this girl.
1: Right? And then she falls for him?
0: Yeah, it's really gross.
1: It really grossed me out. Why was this acceptable? Why is this funny? Why is this a thing that we think we can show?
0: Like, no wonder
1: we live in the culture we do if this is the media that we're putting out. Yeah, And, like,
0: granted, you know, the um, Emilio Estevez character, Andrew, like, he does stand up to Bender at some point. Yeah. But, like, only eventually.
1: And only in, like, a controlling,
0: violent way. Yeah, yeah. And that's the other the other note I had about this is, like, the masculine urge for violence is so concerning. So concerning. It's, like... You can only see someone as a person if they're threatened with violence. And then your only reaction to that violence is to threaten more violence in response. Like, I don't
1: understand how that could ever be, like, a healthy loop to be in. That is definitely not a healthy loop to be in. And, like, it's so quick to happen because, like... It's in like the first five minutes that Andrew is like threatening, like, you're fucked if I get, if I lose my temper. Yeah. And it, like, one, that's not a brag. That's no. not a good thing.
0: No, that's, yeah.
1: Saying you lose control is not a positive. Yeah. Two, there's better ways to say, hey man, fuck off. Yeah. Like, hey man, fuck off. Right. And like, also, could have moved seats. At any time. Yeah. I deal with this with my kids all the time, and I don't understand why students don't understand it. They're bothering me. Did you ask them to stop? Yes. Did you walk away? No. Okay, well, try that. Try walking away. A lot of people will give up. Yeah. And it also
0: feels like this whole, like, threatening violence on someone else's behalf is another way of, like, men centering themselves in something that doesn't involve them right because it's always like well if you threaten a woman or if you come for my children or whatever whatever 100 million things it's like oh so you just want to get involved in somebody else's business solve it with a solution that no one asked for and that only you want it's like yeah that sounds like men all right
1: right.
0: no one asked me but i would like to come into this situation and make it worse
1: Right, and like I wrote down at one point, like Bender and Claire are talking or whatever, and Andrew like butts in or something, and is like, "Hey, dude, leave her alone." And but like in a very like she's mine to protect.
0: Yeah, a very and, like possessive, yeah, misogynistic way.
1: It's like a lot of that. Like, genre, like I just wrote down at one point, I'm like she's not yours to control, jackass. Like, move on. Yeah, like. Given, I do not know, think Claire knows how to stand up for herself and she needs to grow up. fucking pair of ovaries. Absolutely. But usually we can fight our own battles. Yeah. We're pretty fucking capable. But yeah, it's
0: again, it's that thing about how like women only have value if they're being protected by a man. Right. Right. Ew. It's the reason that like a man at a bar will say like, do you have a man at home? It's because like it's not about they don't care if you have a boyfriend, they care if someone else is protecting your safety. Right. Because you only have value if, you know, you are a commodity.
1: And because they have more respect for another man's property than they do for you. Right.
0: Because you're not a human being.
1: No, not at all.
0: Yeah, because it's just like it's so clear that so many of these kids come from like abusive backgrounds. Right. Or you know at least troubled backgrounds you know one of them is like had a lot of academic pressure to succeed and you know this one girl has a lot of mental health issues and clearly bender comes from like a very physically and emotionally abusive household so obviously he doesn't know how to like control his emotions he's
1: never been shown how to right Bender's whole deal makes a lot of sense based off of what we know of his home life. Yeah. And honestly, none of these kids needed attention and they all needed therapy.
0: Yeah, 100% all these kids just needed therapy.
1: Which like, you've got them there for nine hours. Why not make this about group therapy? Right.
0: Yeah. You'd have time to do two group therapy sessions and individual therapy for everyone in the group in nine hours.
1: Yeah. Why are we not taking care of our children? Because because
0: it's not about them actually being healthy, well-developed adults. It's about them teaching them to cram themselves into a little box and conform so we can make them a factory worker since we're kind of talking about Andrew the like wrestler character
1: oh andrew 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 because andrew. he's
0: always threatening you know like if we fought i'd kill you or whatever you know some shit like that yeah he and it's so clear that he is not, he is feeling pressured to fit into a mold of masculinity that is toxic and also does not fit him and so he's having to overcompensate and threaten violence and talk about violence and constantly talk himself up and overachieve at this violent sport to prove how masculine he is in or you know because it's not true in order to create a a facade to protect himself
1: absolutely i he's like such a clear case of trying to force yourself into that man's man hyper, like it's hyper masculinity, yeah. and which is weird because wrestling is super gay, um, but it's
0: also incredibly masculine. It's
1: so masculine. Like again, we were talking about this with lifting. Why are like pure masculine things are always theme- seen? So- They're very gay Because you're doing it for other men And it like doesn't have to seem gay It just seems gay because that's the way we've learned And can relate to male gaze. Yeah Because straight men are not willing to admit That they also want a male gaze Right I mean
0: it's yeah Like they're one of Both of those sports are one of the few ways In which men can complement each other's bodies Right Without it being, like, a violation of, like, the masculine code. Yeah, when we do Are Men Okay? We're coming back to this movie. Because
1: they are not. Because
0: the men in this movie are not okay. They are so not
1: okay. I loved seeing Andrew get high and hot boxing the room (laughs) in the library. And then just coming out and being like, I just want to move. Let me just, like, move my body. I'm like, see, you can like doing sports. Sports can be creative and helpful and, like, a good... But, like, this is so much more fun, and you're so much more happy than when you are destroying your your body. body. Also, his dad and his coach are, like, always writing to him about his scholarships he could get. Children should not have to risk their education based on what their body can handle.
0: Right. Because, like, this kid's right. Like, what if he gets hurt? Suddenly he doesn't get to get a college education because he had an injury and he can't make a school money by doing the sport anymore like that's fucking horrible i mean again like that's what happens when you have education in a capitalist model where things are only as valuable as they are able to create more value for someone else
1: yeah it's ridiculous and like the pressure that puts on kids to perform and to constantly be the best. And it doesn't allow them to have mistakes, which is what childhood is about. Right. Is about learning through mistakes and being able to make mistakes so you can grow from them. And And
0: being supported when you make those mistakes. So you have someone around to help you parse where you went wrong and how to do better in the future.
1: Exactly. To
0: have someone scream at you because you're doing it wrong.
1: Right. And that kind of filters over to Brian, too, where he's like, I mean, this poor kid is suicidal because he got a B.
0: Right. Because he got an F on a project with me, which means he can't get an A in the class.
1: Which is heartbreaking. Yeah. That should not your child's grades should not matter that much.
0: And again, it's another one of those like, well, if I don't get good enough grades, I can't get into a good college, I can't, I can't get, get a good a job, job or I have to pay you know, I, have, I need to get a scholarship to get into college because I can't afford it otherwise. Like, there should not be that much pressure no. on kids that they're thinking about killing themselves. No, let
1: kids learn at their own pace. Like, some of us didn't know how to learn and couldn't sit through classes and, like, had a hard time taking in information and fitting these molds and getting the grades that we're supposed to and... I was like a good student when I was younger, when the homework was easy and as it got harder, my grades started to slip and I like, and I remember feeling so guilty and so stressed about having bad grades because it was never, I meant I was never going to go anywhere. Right. Which like.
0: Cause there's all that focus on academic performance and get, you know, scholarships right. in college. And- where.
1: I should have been able to have the space to like figure out how my brain fucking works. Right. And get that sorted out and yeah. then start learning. Cause like now I'm excited to go back to school. Now I like, right. I'm ready to learn and I want to learn and I'm so more, much more excited about the idea and engaged. Yeah. But I wasn't at 15. Yeah. My whole life should not be dictated by what I did as a 15 year old.
0: Right. That's ridiculous.
1: That's too much pressure to put on kids. Yeah. They don't need that. No,
0: they really don't.
1: Talking about Brian, though, this kid brought a gun to school and all he got was detention.
0: Right? He didn't get arrested or nothing. I mean, like, he at the very least, like, if any of these kids needed counseling more than they needed detention, it is Brian. You are not solving suicidal ideation with isolation. That's how you make that worse. <laughs> right?
1: Right. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, put a suicidal kid in a room where he has to sit quietly by himself with his thoughts thoughts for nine fucking hours. That's going to help.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he's not going to have any dark, intrusive thoughts at that point. It's crazy. We've been doing this show for, what, 30 episodes now, 28 episodes or something. I don't think we've had an in-depth conversation about the nature of virginity.
1: I don't think we have either. We haven't really had a lot of opportunity to talk about purity culture. Because
0: there's like a full scene about it where we talk about who is and is not a virgin.
1: Right. In our little breakfast club. Sorry, sidetrack. Just a wee little sidetrack. Why is it the breakfast club? You're not having breakfast. You didn't have breakfast there. This has been driving me nuts the entire movie. The
0: lunch club? Lunch bunch? Absolutely. The
1: detention club? I don't care. Like, breakfast club? The fuck? Sorry. That's been bothering me for a really long time. Yeah, it makes me crazy, too. But yeah... We haven't really had an end. I can't say I know like the like historical origins of it. Well, it's less that.
0: And it's like it's just like we've talked in movies and TV before about like, you know, the pressure of having sex and the pressure on like the first time being special and stuff like that. But I don't know. I remember being a kid and like. The concept of virginity had a lot of power and like if you were or were not sexually active was like a big marker in your identity in a way that you couldn't help, you Right, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people were just had to know whether or not you were having sex and then had to proceed to make inferences about what that means about you, right? Like I think Bender says in that same scene, he says like, there's no good answer. You can't win because it's a, yeah, it's a double-edged sword. If you haven't had sex, you're a prude, and if you have, you're a slut.
1: I think Allison says it, but yeah, right.
0: Somebody somebody says yeah,
1: it's like a double-edged blade, and yeah, you're just fucked, and especially for girls, especially for girls. Whereas with young boys,
0: I feel like it's more another one of those like it's a g- masculinity badges, right?
1: It's a mark of growth. It's like a mark of maturity yeah. and like a milestone, which like
0: whereas like for girls and women, it's a minefield, right? Where there's like literally, it's a minefield. Except there's mines. Everywhere, you know. There's no spots that aren't mines. It's just it's mine. It's it's a minefield in as much as it's a pile of land of active <laughs> landmines.
1: In my group of friends, virginity wasn't really talked about, and sex wasn't really talked about. But mm. I also was friends with a lot of art weirdos who yeah. were very like didn't really necessarily date that much sure. in the begin with. But I remember. <laughs> I lost my virginity to a friend because they said they would take it for me for my birthday. Wow, that's tricky, complicated. We gotta
0: have that's a whole that's a therapy thought. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> that's a therapy thought.
1: I also grew up in a much more sex positive environment. Sure, and like had been like my mother very much like made it much more normal, not just normal but like scientifical. Sure, and like that sounds
0: like that sounds like your because mom. my
1: mom's a biology teacher, so she sure. made it what about else biology. What gonna do? You know, and like it was very clinical. clinical. So like, I wasn't really, I just like really didn't have
0: it. Didn't have the same mystique. mystique. Yeah, yeah,
1: it didn't really have that for me, and like, it just wasn't something that was talked about in my friend group, and like, what I didn't really know who to talk to about it, and yeah. like, so I didn't really start exploring my sexuality and like what sex was until I was in college where I had the space and had the ability to find friends who were like willing to talk about it and stuff like that. Which like by the time that because I was like 18, 19, people were always like, oh, my God, you haven't. And I'm like, no, I hasn't come up. Don't date like no one wants to date me. So here we are.
0: That was sort of what happened to me for a long time was like uh, the situation has not presented itself. So it's not as if I am making an intentional choice. It's just like I haven't found myself in the situation. (laughs) Right. I was a Christian nominally for a while there in my like teens and stuff and I remember that part of it really getting a zap on my head about sex being like this sort of like sacred all-important like precious right. thing and then you know I think by the time I got to late high school it was like the hormones had sort of overcome all the catholic programming <laughs> But yeah, I think most of my friends in high school were band kids. Right. And I say this with all the love in the world. Band kids, be fucking. They are the um, horniest people. And so it was very much like, I think I was the odd one out in not having sex, but not in like a weird what's wrong with you way, but just in like a, huh, that's, that's odd. Kind of, you know. Right. Because they were also like the ap class right kids and so we were all we were all probably autistic and so it was just <laughs> like a, i don't know this thing is fun okay why does it what does it matter
1: thinking about it i think another reason that like my like losing my virginity and sex didn't like capture my attention as a teenager as everyone tells you uh, the first time is not great generally, generally not not spectacular it does awesome. but like it was so underwhelming that I was just like, huh, huh. this is a thing.
0: So Yes, that's what that is. So I
1: was like, <laughs> it wouldn't really give me that, like, I want more of this. Right. Which, like, yeah. so, like, my brain just was like, all right, we had that experience. Check that off the list. Move on to the next.
0: Was it a masculine person, the first person you had sex
1: with? No, it was a feminine person. Okay.
0: I was going to say, because that would... Probably put anybody off sex for a while.
1: When we do our OnlyFans podcast, I can talk about the first time I had sex with a masculine person (laughs) because it was awful.
0: Yeah, our podcast (laughs) OnlyFans where we tell all our after dark stories. Oh, there's actually like kind of a discussion of, I mean, they don't use these terms and it's not really like a fair discussion, but there's like kind of actually a discussion of monogamy versus polyamory in
1: this movie there is that really surprised me
0: Uh, yeah and it's not treated as like bender is i mean it's kind of implied in the way that it's always implied in movies but like it's not treated as like bender's being an asshole it's not treated like he's doing something wrong it's just like he has a different right like relationship model Than your average bear, and that's fine. Right. People are allowed to have relationships in whatever way. I mean, maybe that's maybe I'm reading into it as a polyamorous person. Like maybe I'm putting some of that on the movie. No, it was, but it doesn't feel as judgmental as this situation usually is in movies. It
1: really didn't feel as judgmental, and it wasn't played so much as a like, I'm just a stud who's fucking all of these girls, which is usually the trope in a situation like this. And it's he calls them all his, his girlfriends. girlfriends and like he carries pictures of them around so they he obviously has like caring feelings or like right. thinks about them a lot. And also people were just OK. And they're like, huh, interesting. Yeah. And didn't like I mean, Claire does have a throwaway line like as it should be or something, which like. Right. There's yeah. always going to be that yeah. person and you can't help it. And especially a princess like Claire is going to say it. Yeah. But, you know, I really appreciated that for a movie in the 80s that it had that little moment and it didn't feel gross for once.
0: Yeah, for once it wasn't just like beating the not monogamous person over the head with monogamy until they listen, you know?
1: Yeah, because shit don't work that way. Yeah.
0: It's frustrating sometimes how in movies non-monogamy is treated as like an error, as a, a bug to yeah. be corrected. In the same way that like maybe this is a personal grievance, that like atheism or like non-belief is very often right. treated as like something to be fixed or overcome. Right. Rather than just like a, a- different way of moving through the world that is equally respectable.
1: Right, and its I feel like any quote-unquote alternative lifestyle is always a wound or needs to be cured or whatever. And my current theory is it's driven all from jealousy because a lot of the time if you lay outside the norm, you've done some fucking work, you've figured out something about yourself and... You are that happy, loving, warmth, feeling like you exude that because you are. And that's what the normies have been told they have are supposed to have. Right. And their system doesn't give you that. Right. I'm not saying their system doesn't work. Right. But their system doesn't let you get to know yourself the way you do when you are outside it. Yeah. Yeah because once you start deconstructing one part of your life be it your sexuality, your gender, your the way you love, uh, the way you believe, anything, it transfers to other parts of your life and you yeah. can't turn it off. Right. And so If you're
0: if you're being diligent about right, it. Right. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And so people who live outside of this "quote unquote normal, I don't want to say we're better. <laughs> But we oh, remind and... people
0: that more is possible that
1: more is possible and that like just be like you can question the system yeah and they didn't bother to question the system and now they feel stuck
0: right and they I think you're right that very often it's a jealousy of uh, this option was never presented to me, and so I closed myself off to it and now I'm upset because you've availed yourself an option that I never allowed myself right. I, Which, like Loki, is also why I think they hate trans people. Yeah. And this is kind of a hot take, but I also think that it's why they hate furries.
1: <laughs> You're right. They hate furries so much. They hate
0: furries so much. And I cannot figure out, like, I get the whole, like, people. Th- fundamentally misjudge what the furry community is and like how much of it is sex and how much of it is just like identity right and i get that that's part of it is the whole like it being wrapped up in like weird sex stuff right but i truly think that it's a that more people wish that they felt comfortable putting on fangs and cat ears and they don't because they shut themselves off from their inner cat girl, and now they just can't let her loose.
1: <laughs> oh, inside! This every is not me coming
0: out as a cat girl. I is well established that I am a deer girl.
1: <laughs> inside every Republican is a cat is a girl, cat girl, girl, girl yearning to be free. <laughs> I also like the other depiction we usually get. Of non monogamy, which really bothers me, and I'm glad wasn't in this. Was like how like sexual it is, and that it's just like all about sex and all about being like quote unquote slutty and just being able to get whatever you want. Right. Which like as a person who is not sex focused in a lot of my relationships and still uh, identify as non monogamous is like feels very gross and very like yeah reductive and like and i feel like it's just another shortcut to vilify right
0: non-monogamous people as like oh well you just can't contain your urges long enough to be with one person right which is not which what is, about what it's about at no, all no
1: and no offense but i feel kind of sorry that you don't know how to open your heart up like that yeah it feels weird not not going to lie. Yeah. But that's just me.
0: And I think a lot of it is because we've talked about this before because like it requires an amount of work of self-work and self-reflection that monogamy and jealousy don't ask of you.
1: Yeah, it really does.
0: Right? Jealousy is easy. Anger is easy. Possessiveness is easy. Working but working through them is working not. through them is fucking difficult. I just really love how much insight into Bender's struggle we get, even immediately in this movie. Yeah. Like, it's so clear that he is so used to being rejected by people, especially the people closest to him, that he has made himself intentionally off-putting to make sure that he rejects anyone before they get close enough to reject him. It's like... Obvious, so obviously a self-defense mechanism. Just stop it. Don't look, don't make d- direct <laughs> eye contact with me like that. I know who I am. I was going to say, did you relate to it at all? I related to this intensely, yes. I feel like I've gotten much better at this. I feel like I used to be much more off-putting initially than I am now. That's fair. You are. (laughs) And like, you didn't know me in high school.
1: No. And I am glad. I was
0: horrible in high
1: school. I was also awful in high school. Like I said earlier, your whole life should not be dictated by what you were like as a 15 year old. Yeah. No. No. Fuck. We were
0: all nightmares at 15.
1: I don't know why. And I don't care, frankly, it really bothers me that they use the same song in the opening credits and the end credits. It just feels like, I, I don't know why it's f- just weird.
0: I just really loved the like pain in Bender's eyes. When Emilio Estevez says like, if you disappeared, no one would even miss you. There is like a, like, flash there's a of- second where he's got this like, you know, obvious crazy, like aggressive facade and Estevez says that line and you can see him just go like, you're fucking right. Like, I know you're right and I know you're right. And that's everything that I fear about myself is that I'm nothing. I'm insignificant, which is what my abusers have been telling me for right. years. It's just devastating.
1: It is such a great moment of acting. and it's Yeah, like, just that beautiful, beautiful little bit
0: of like an eye turn from Judd Nelson and that's like, that's the whole, it's beautiful.
1: Yeah. As much as like, I don't like a lot of Bender's lines and I think they could have been a little bit better written. I do really love what Judd Nelson did with his acting and he did like made so many amazing choices and played him so well.
0: He made a lot of really good choices. This movie could have been like that role could have been a lot worse in the hands of a less proficient actor i read that um john cusack was originally cast to play that role. And they, they recast him because he wasn't scary enough. No! Which, of course not. He's a big fucking gangly teddy bear.
1: He's, he's a cutie bear.
0: But um, apparently Jed Nelson was like kind of an asshole on set and he was like actually harassing.
1: Molly Ringwald. Molly
0: Ringwald. And uh, yeah, they had, uh, they had to convince John Hughes not to fire him because he was like fucking horrible.
1: Why are men? I don't know. Hold your kids fucking responsible for their actions. Yeah, right. Claire's father is just like hands off that she skips school to go shopping. Yeah, and doesn't hold f- their consequences for your, her actions. Hold her responsible for that. Yeah, but I mean, Claire's not held responsible for anything in her life. Right. Why do men do the thing where they snap your, their fingers to get your attention to come over to you? Cause uh, Mr. Vernon does it to like get Bender to come to him, and I'm like, I am not a fucking dog.
0: I had when I used to wait tables for the very short amount of time that I waited exactly. tables. Exactly. I had some one person snap at me. Who boy? I think there need to be more liberal
1: assault laws. <laughs> For servers, specifically for servers. If you work in the service industry, you should be able to slap some bitches. You should be able
0: to slap a variety of bitches because people are horrible because they know they can be, including treating you like a dog.
1: When you are a teacher, one of the best things you can do to be a better teacher is to be flexible and think on your feet and not repeat the same action Over and over again, that is obviously not working. If you are threatening to take away someone's Saturdays and he keeps upping your ante and is still going, don't keep going. Stop and redirect.
0: Yeah, it's obviously not having the effect you want it to have. So why keep doing it?
1: Right. If you can't. One. Because
0: it's not about getting through to a kid it's about ego it's right. about it's, winning
1: you want to win and you need to one you are threatening a child instead of like maybe talking to him like a fucking human being and going like hey hey
0: what's up what's going stop on this
1: bullshit but two, like don't be a teenager yourself and stoop to their sassiness right be the fucking adult in the room yeah
0: you're the one who's getting paid you're at work it's your job to be responsible my last note here is just a general thing about the the like peer pressure of who you're allowed to be friends with. That's a mood. And like whether or not those are the people you actually get along with who, you know, you're not allowed to interact with people who are outside your like class or clique even if you like have a lot in common right and you actually get along because like high school society has these like really rigid boundaries that is are not permeable really
1: yeah high school society is a wild ride And it's really hard to move through.
0: Yeah, it's very restraining in a way that is not really helpful for child development.
1: No, and it's not really how the world works. Right. Which is very frustrating. I know the last scene in this movie is iconic. I get it. Yep. Everyone knows it. Uh Uh-huh. I hate it. Why? I hate that it ends in a freeze frame. It bothers me. I don't know why. I
0: think you just hate it because it's become hack since this movie. It could be, like it's old hat now, but this movie is you know thirty five years old. True. It wasn't old hat thirty five years ago.
1: That's fair. It still bothers me.
0: You're not. I mean, you're you're. It's you're allowed to be bothered by it. I do think it's a little. You know, it's a little whatever. You know, this movie's almost forty years
1: old. Yeah, give it some credit. There's a line somewhere in the movie. Where someone asks, are we just going to become our parents? Yeah. And everyone's kind of just like, probably. Which, one, you don't have to. If you put in the goddamn work and you learn from what your parents did and don't do it or do it if it worked. Right. And, you know, become your own person. It is possible to not be your parents when you grow up. Yeah. But it means deconstructing
0: breaking down all of the messages that you've gotten from your parents and really reconstructing yourself from the ground up which is a lot of fucking work it's a lot of fucking work it's a great it's great amazing like empowering work but it's work
1: yeah and you should have space to do that work in school with free resources